I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Don't make me look for you again. Matt, he fixed my boy's eyes. Look. I don't know how you did it, mister. But thanks. Thanks. Children are God's gift to man. You didn't tell me you were a healer. Cataracts. Very simple. There are no children where I am going. Hi everyone and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. This week, we watched the movie that sees Mark Hamill losing a bet, dyeing his hair, and dusting off his best Michael Bean impression. It's 1989 Slipstream, starring Luke himself, Bill Paxton, and Kitty Aldridge. And with us this week, someone else with a crippling gambling habit, even though he knows we cheat. But it gets him on the show, and he's the host of Better Podcasting and the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's SP. How are you doing, SP? I'm just elated to be here and kind of wallowing in my own uh, crap that I've dealt out. So we'll yeah, just yeah. save that so, for later, uh, I guess. Let this be a lesson to you that whenever you suggest film titles for the list, you might want to suggest good film titles for the list. Now, now, wait a minute. I had never seen this movie before, and I must have run across it in like somebody's IMDb, like Mark Hamill or something. I'm like, huh, what is this? And then I'm like, huh, it says it's sci-fi. So then I'm like, it's got Mark Hamill in it. It says it's sci-fi. <laughs> it should be good. Here, put it on your list. And I had never seen it before. And there's a reason. Because it's because not it good. never <laughs> it never made it to the U.S. No, no never it had did. a theatrical release. Never no, had a theatrical a, release. No, in but it, North it was America. released on VHS. Oh, it was yes. a straight to VHS movie here in, in in the states. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. And there, there's a whole bunch of reasons why, and we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. And he's constantly sitting in a hot tub, stewing in his own juices with a bunch of ram, randos with rashes. It's Rob. How are you doing, Rob? Hey, don't forget my toy lobster. Good God. That that sits on a boat. Well, where else would you put a lobster? Lobster boat. Yes. Isn't that like a isn't that like a uh dish? A food dish? A lobster boat? No, I don't think so. It should I've never be. had anything like that, no. Yeah. It's too bad. All right, Rob's over here making up uh seafood dishes. You got any news for us Look, this week, Rob? <laughs> I make up a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I've got all kinds of news. First news, I figured since we've got Mark Hamill himself on this particular show, uh, this particular movie that we're reviewing, it would be only fitting uh, to mention the fact that James Earl Jones has signed away his voice for Darth Vader mm-hmm. over to Lucasfilm and... Uh, uh, Reese Speecher. Yeah, be speecher, which is a uh, uh, the same company that did uh, what, 
Luke Skywalker's voice for Mandalorian. Uh, well, Book of Boba Fett, really. And Mandalorian, I guess, for that one one episode. Wait, wait. Why, why did they have to have Luke Skywalker's voice redone for Mandalorian? Wasn't I mean, I know they did digital maybe, de-aging on him, but... Maybe he's a little rough around... Oh, no, no, no. He didn't actually do the... The cameo voice. appearance, right? No, somebody else no, did, and didn't. they just digit, digit, uh, digitized, digitally altered. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So for okay. Book of Boba Fett, uh, they recreated young Luke Skywalker, and maybe that was part of it is they needed to get the young version of him as opposed to the uh, rough and gruff voice that you know you get when your balls drop. They well, he did the Joker all- for so many years. I'm sure yeah. his voice is a little, <laughs> it's a little shot. Yeah, a little shot. They probably also wanted to future-proof themselves in future projects. So instead right. of contracting for his voice, contracting for his re-speecher voice. Yeah, because I imagine they're going to use Darth Vader again and again in the future. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. So, and apparently they, uh, they used, um, they used re-speecher for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with um, James Earl Jones on tap in case it didn't work. I think this was a a proof of concept or something is is the best I can figure out reading this article is it was like a proof the Obi-Wan Kenobi was a proof of concept on whether or not uh they could do the Darth Vader voice. So I didn't realize that uh James Earl Jones had been doing the Vader voice all these years, I thought they had some other voice actor just mimicking James Earl Jones's no, Vader. He's this is the one and only thing that he's been doing since uh, since he retired from actual acting. Yeah, was I didn't realize the voice acting. Yeah, so that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I've got something. I've got something for you. Wait, SP. wait a minute. For, first, I want to yeah. say kudos officially. Kudos to James Earl Jones for a well-fought campaign to voice Darth Vader for so many years. He did so well. He did. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or, or uh, make a joke or anything. So kudos to him for doing that for so many years and deciding that this is it and to allow for his voice, knowing that everybody loves the franchise so much to allow the franchise to use his voice going forward in trusting the big Disney corporation to do it correctly. And I just want to say kudos because hopefully he's going to make many people happy in the future by making this decision now. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see all the commercials with Darth Vader, like shilling dishwashing soap (laughs) and and all of that. So the next Disney project. Yeah. Darth Vader loved it. So should you. Yeah. He's got sensitive skin because, you know, well, lava. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. uh, This one's for USP. I figured you'd like this. Um, There is a new Lego set that is not coming out yet, but is up for voting. Um, Apparently, you have to vote for it. And if there's enough votes, Lego will mass produce this bad boy. Um, this new set is the James Webb Space Telescope made from Legos, and it includes the same complex folding design that the actual telescope used. Uh, 
Ooh. Uh, to pack itself. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, uh, let me let me get to that real quick. It needs to hit 10,000 votes. And as of right now, uh, th- right now being September 25th, uh, it is sitting at 7,397 votes. So I think it'll hit its mark because it's got another 772 days left before it the voting ends. My God, they let you vote for like two like and a forever. half years? Yeah, I think it's more along the lines of, hey, do people want this? And then when it gets the 10,000 votes that it needs, it will move forward. You know, I don't know. I've, I, this is the first time that I've seen. I, I didn't know that you had to vote for Lego things. Yeah, they have you know? some people put in ideas right? Uh, for, for Lego sets. And then, yeah, you vote yeah. on them. I can't remember what yeah, the yeah. site's called. It's like Lego build or something like that. Ideas.lego.com. Yeah. yeah. Lego ideas. Yep. It's been out for a so, while. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I didn't know it was a thing. I'm not a big Lego guy. So, um, but I saw that it showed up on my feed and I was like, Hey, that's kind of cool. Um, that is kind of cool. No, th- yeah. Yeah. Uh, next thing. Um, so it is, like I said, September uh, 25th. I just wanted to go ahead and go out there and say that um, uh, when you hear this recording, um, Artemis still hasn't launched. Now, <laughs> granted, this recording happens in like two weeks. So yeah, I'm pretty safe. Artemis hasn't launched. Um, good for you, Artemis. Um, a couple more well, sci-fi things. Oh, go ahead yeah. if you want to so, comment on that. Yes, I would. Odds are it won't right now. Actually, I'll take a look at the feeds right now, but odds are it will roll back to the vehicle assembly building and to avoid Hurricane Ian and not be available to launch on October 2nd. However, I will say that there is a small chance that it will stay on the launch pad and be available to launch on the second. Now, whether it does or not, because of all the problems that they've had with refueling and everything, we'll see. But it's going to get struck by lightning or something. Small chance that it's able to. And then there, well, wind and wind blowing crap. It's going to have a, yeah, it's going to have what, like a, like a five, five degree cant. And that's like outside (laughs) thing. They'll have to have to use the jets to stabilize it. Just like in the Martian. Yeah. That would be kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so there is an outside chance. We'll see. If not, I believe the next one is October 16th in the next launch window. All right. Yeah, so this thing's just plagued. <laughs> October 16th. Is it going to launch by then, Rob? Uh, man, I don't think so. I really don't. All right. So Nostradamus yeah. says that it is not going to launch October 16th either. Oh, it's it's Nostradamus? I thought it was Nostradamus dumbass is what you were calling me. Oh, well, I mean, there's that too. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. All I right, only put one so, S on there, not two. Just one S, and the B is the B is always silent, though. Um, I've got kind of a two-parter here. First off, uh, this is all things Star Trek. You should be happy with me, Jason. No superhero news this week. That's a first. I know it's amazing. First one, Star Trek. Uh, somebody has released an updated version of the Star Trek cookbook. Um, it is written by Chelsea Monroe Castle. It's got 192 pages worth of um, stuff in it. Yeah, because so when I think the, Star Trek, I think cuisine. 
What? Well, you can get the Plomique soup, uh, a Ractagino, a Yamak sauce, um, a Hasperit, uh, Danublian sausages. They're just making up words. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Rigelian truff- uh, chocolate truffles. You know, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so that's uh, that's coming out. It's a whopping uh, $35 hardcover or $16.99 for an ebook. Go get yours now. Are we and, getting paid for that? <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're not. Uh, last you thing. You should care about Star Trek cuisine because you like their wine. That's true. I liked the Chateau Picard wine, yes. Mm-hmm. The Star yeah. Trek wine wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as the Chateau Picard. Yeah. Which I have. Well, I have a bottle of each still. I should crack those out sometime. I guess whenever maybe we, when we, yeah, do, when we do watch Picard, Picard next. In February, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll crack out the Chateau Picard. Yep, yep. All right, last uh, last one I've got here. More Star Trek news. Uh, and this comes from your favorite website, Known to Man, Jason. Which website would that be? Uh, I don't know. It's your favorite website. Giant freaking robot. Oh, good God. I was thinking yep. it was We've Got This Covered. No, no, he he seriously hates another paragon of of journalism. There, yeah, yep, yep. Anyway, so according to Giant Freaking Robots, trusted and proven sources, one of the new Star Trek series upcoming will feature Seven of Nine as the lead character. Ooh. So it looks like there is uh, rumors out there from trusted and proven sources that they are going to be making a Seven of Nine. Uh, series. Are they going to do uh, like a Star Trek Rangers series? I don't know. Well, see, in Picard three, she's she's an actual she's an actual officer. So maybe maybe she's going to be in the uh, uh, what what is it section section whatever section nine? Yeah, section nine section series thirty nine section. No, that's that's in the future with Michelle Yeoh. Oh. Yeah, that that one takes place in the Discovery timeline. Oh, good uh, God! Or time or time frame, the future. Um, yeah, so uh, that'll be interesting uh, to see what they're doing there. There's no big um, reveals about it, other than yeah, it's in development. Hmm. So. Another uh, another Star Trek series that uh, I will most definitely watch. Hey, and who knows? Maybe we'll see some Voyager cameos in the in the process. Boo! Yeah, maybe maybe Harry Kim will be a captain or something. Finally, yeah. no, he never got promoted. <laughs> he's still he's still an ensign. <laughs> Harry Kim is forever an ensign. He's gonna be he's gonna be blue shirt get, Picard. Did he get promoted? At the very end of the season, I don't remember. Yeah, but it was only like to lieutenant. It was a yeah, field promotion. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The poor guy, poor Harry. Anyway, that is uh, that's all I've got. All right. Well, who's ready for a pod crawl? God, I can't wait to hear what this thing is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do this. We can call it. I don't know. Say a pod. Crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl!
Pod crawl, pod crawl, excellent, insert it deep, pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Sometime in the future, the Earth got sick of all the pollution and decided to try and blow mankind off of the planet, literally. Now there is some sort of ambiguous windstream that acts as a global highway, because leave it to people to take something that was supposed to destroy them and make it their bitch. Along this global wind tunnel is the same cave settlement that doubles as three or four different settlements in the movie, as well as the same Irish cliffs and waterfall that supposedly stretch for endless miles. Along these verdant cliffs is where we see Byron running from what looks like the unholy love child of a Bell 47 and AP 38. The pursuers land ahead of Byron's trajectory, and instead of going in a different direction, Byron runs right into their trap, gets a grappling hook into the arm and pulled off a cliff. However, instead of dying in a broken heap, he seems fine and quotes poetry, telling us that Byron is apparently an android. I hope they weren't planning that as a big reveal later in the movie. Anyway, Luke Skywalker and not Sarah Connor bring Byron to an airfield diner where they serve Squirrel posing as Rabbit. Enter Matt, a cocky small-time arms dealer rocking a power mullet who hits on not Sarah and gets his ass handed to him in the process. After trying to sell some explosives to Luke, Luke reveals himself to be the law and confiscates the grenade. Not wanting to come away empty-handed, Matt learns that Byron is worth a large reward and he decides to kidnap Byron from Luke and not Sarah. Matt and Byron escape in their little ultralight aircraft while Luke and not Sarah follow in their much faster aircraft, but can't manage to catch up because reasons. Matt takes Byron back to his place in the cave settlement as viewed from the south, where he picks up some supplies and talks to some people in the grossest hot tub to ever exist, and then loses Byron who has already escaped from his handcuffs. Jesus of Cyberdyne Systems is walking around healing the sick and blind when Matt finally catches up to him. They head back out to the Wind Tunnel Highway and towards the generically named settlement where Matt can pick up his reward for Byron. They come upon the same cave settlement as viewed from the east this time, where it looks like there was some fighting happening. Byron says they should help, so Matt lands and Byron starts his healing the wounded trick again. This time, however, while trying to save Trevor's life, he's called out as being part of the reason the earth broke and is strung up on a kite. No really, he's strapped to a kite during a windstorm. About this time Luke and not Sarah catch up and find Matt hogtied. They reveal to Matt that Byron is an android because Matt is as sharp as a wet blanket and hadn't figured it out yet. Matt says he will help them get Byron down and hand him over if they will not kill him for stealing their prisoner. They strap Matt to a parachute and then to the tether of the kite and Matt rides the wind up to Byron. However, instead of bringing Byron back, Matt wants to release the tether and sail off into the storm. Not Sarah gets wind of this plan and parachutes up just as Matt releases the tether, and they all three crash into a cliff. Byron drags Matt and Not Sarah into a cave and heads out to look for Luke. While out there, he meets Ariel, and Byron's loins begin to tingle. She tells Byron he should come home with her, so Byron, Matt and Ariel fly out to the Smithsonian to relax and party. Byron dons a tux and dances the night away before biting and bedding Ariel, and Matt has a one-night stand with a docent's daughter. The next day, Byron fixes the air conditioning which seems to piss off all the snobs in the museum, but they don't get to debate whether to enslave Matt and Byron or not because Luke and not Sarah burst in demanding Byron. Not Sarah flirts with Matt by shooting him in the gut and Byron's girlfriend gets shot by Luke, causing Byron to say fuck turning the other cheek and following Luke out to his aircraft. Luke takes a shot with a sniper rifle as Byron is marching toward him, but Byron shrugs it off, so Luke decides to run him over with his plane. Byron gets sucked into the engine, where he proceeds to destroy it while climbing his way into the cockpit to throttle Luke. Luke, however, recites a little poetry, 
and it pisses Byron off even more and he takes the cables to control the aircraft and smashes both of them into a cliff. Luke is dead, Byron walks away from a successful landing, Matt and not Sarah hook up and then drop Byron off at the same waterfall they've shown in the movie like five times, and roll Matt and not Sarah heading off to start balloon shops or some such shit, credits. Successful landing. Hey, any landing you can walk away from is a successful landing. Yeah, the pilot survived. (laughs) All right, 1989 Slipstream, uh, the direct-to-VHS U.S. phenomenon. Uh, It was actually filmed in Europe, uh, mostly Ireland and England with some shots from Turkey. Uh, So, yeah, SP, you put this on the list. What do you think? I think, and hang with me here, I think this is... Iron Eagle meeting American Anthem meeting Damnation Alley meeting Planet of the Apes meeting Blade Runner meeting Bicentennial Man meeting Mad Max. I think that's what we got here. Hell? Holy hell, that's a lot of meats. Yeah, that's well, a that's, that's an orgy that is. I think I would uh, would not be uh, not be inclined to attend. Uh, right, that's I don't the story think you was invited. all over the place. Oh yeah, the, the story story was, <laughs> story was super inconsistent. <laughs> Yeah, I I, um, hmm. I can see why this is a directed VHS. I can see why this is now in the public domain. Uh, for those that don't know, this is and in I the did public a public domain. Yeah, like two thousand two thousand five or something. I like that. did a little bit of research. Gary Kurtz, who's the producer here, he did such phenomenal work with George Lucas as American Graffiti, Star Wars: A New Hope, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. Had a breakup with George Lucas after The Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's kind of famously talked about in the circles. He did the Dark Crystal after that. Yeah, but then. Everything else is like, bleh. and yeah. the story goes, he's going through a really bad divorce uh-huh. and he had a lot of money taken from him in the divorce. So he had none of that sweet Star Wars money to actually do this. And the two things that hurt it, I think, were editing and special effects. If oh, he would have been able to do a little bit better editing, I think this would have been a better Shot now. He did an interview at some point in time that I just read about, and like I forget what was uh, Wikipedia or IMDb, and said that he thought that if he could have done some action sequences that were much much more grotesque, that would have actually played out the story better. I disagree with him, but that's what he says. So that's why we got what we got. Yeah, I yeah, mean, and this bankrupt him. <laughs> Yeah, so the well, the divorce and this bankrupted him. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was using his Star Wars money to kind of fund this movie, but he lost the divorce settlement, and so his Star Wars movie or yeah, his Star Wars money dried up, and yeah, he was in trouble, and this this bankrupted him. So, but I mean, the, the guy's got some cred, like you said. He's he did uh, he did American Graffiti and A New Hope with. Uh, Lucas. Uh, he also did Tron. Uh, Tron was a, a big hit, as well as the Dark Crystal. Um, and then he did something called Hot Pursuit. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but uh, I don't think it did very well either. Although it's got John Cusack in it, 
the I don't think I've cast. Ever, I don't. I don't see Tron on his list, dude. Yeah, I don't think Tron did. Uh, Steven Leisberger, who's the director, did Tron. This had an all-star cast and all-star production team. There is no reason this should have gone wrong, other than it just didn't have the money to be completed. Steven Leisberger, who did Tron 1982, he also wrote Tron Legacy in 2010. Uh, you also had an all-star cast. You had an Academy Award winner on the cast at the time with Ben Kingsley. It, it just, yeah, I, that <sighs> was a five. That was a five-minute, uh, not even five-minute uh, cameo. Uh, no, but to pull that talent in and to pull the talent of Mark Hamill, which was credited as being his first theatrical release or whatever after uh, Star Wars, Bill Paxton in one of his early roles, Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid in the Harry Potter series, Ben Kingsley, like I said, and then F. Murray Abram was Cornelius. Most people might know F. Murray Abram from Stargate. SG one, but he's done a lot of roles too. So it really he's also had, Salieri and, and Amadeus. Uh, he yeah. was in by the by the sword or by the blade, whatever that movie was. He's been in quite a few things. Yeah, right. He's just this cast, this crew. The um, the composer, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Did some really cool stuff. It just came together like crap. And if I was associated with this picture, if I was Bill Paxson, would I was young Bill Paxson, so probably wouldn't have mattered. But if I was Mark Hamill, if I was Steven Leisberger, I'd be like, what did you do, dude? And as you can tell by his credits, Gary Kurtz never recovered in Hollywood after this. No, I mean, what did he do after this? Hey, Kurtz, nothing. Nothing. Return to yeah. Oz. Oh, yeah. No, Return to Oz no, came before is, this. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Thief and the Cobbler. Uh, which have the no idea. steel he produced. Um, uh, Five twenty five seventy seven is apparently a production that he was in that is uh, that was released after he died. Well, it's supposed to. About. Looks like it's coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, doesn't have a. Oh no! It. What. Doing research on the fly there, Rob. Yeah. Oh, they're finally releasing it in fall of 2022. Oh. Well, I got I got confused because it said May 22, 2017 was the premiere. Uh, Official premiere, then, yeah. Interesting, yeah. So Kurtz didn't really, yeah, this, this kind of killed Kurtz's career. I'm surprised it didn't kill other people's careers, although Hamill didn't really do much in the way of, of movies like before or after this did a lot of voice work afterwards. Yeah. He did. A lot of he acting. did a lot of voice work. Um, Look, he did Guyver or the Guyver and you know, that's a pretty, uh, decent, uh, Oh damn, Jason. What? Um, so I'm sorry. What? Uh, the Guyver. So according to, um, According to Wikipedia, it's superhero. Uh, so it was going to go on the superhero thing. But now I'm looking and uh, ooh, you you snuck by. Um, on IMDb, it says action, comedy, horror. Oh. Man, I was going to throw it on sci-fi because... Uh, um, no, you got to throw it on your good. show and I'm washing my hair that day, so... No, no. Well, it's alien bio armor. That is, if that's not sci-fi, I don't know what is. Actually, Does it say no, sci-fi oh, on either 
Wikipedia no, okay. or Hold IMDb. On. The Giver. Uh, it does say action, comedy, horror, sci-fi, thriller. Where? The, the movie or the TV show? Uh, 1991. So PG-13 t- uh, movie. Movie. Yeah. Wow. The Giver. It's going on the list, I guess. Here, I'll send it to you there. There you go. Right there. Right there in black and white on the right-hand side of the page. It's another Mark Hamill uh, specialty. All right. I know you're... I thought you were saying the trailer. Now, look over on the right-hand on the left right-hand side. It'll do it. Okay. Yeah, I know. So the, the, the top three on the actual Guyver side says action, comedy, horror. Yeah, and then it says sci-fi thriller right next yeah, to it. Yeah, when you go to the trailer and you have all of the... No, we're not doing the Guyver. Come on. No. Come on. No. All right, fine. That's fine. Because Wikipedia has it marked as a uh, 1991 American superhero film. Mm, you have fun with so that. It might go on the list. SP may come on to talk the Guyver with you. Yeah. He loves Mark Hamill. <laughs> Don't think so. Man. Part human, part alien, pure superpower. I, that sounds superhero to me. That's what the tagline was on the uh, uh, movie poster. Well, all right. Does Anyways. it have an android? Because this movie has an Android. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. So, SP, you're kind of a pilot guy, right? Kind of, yeah. Kind of a pilot guy. Uh, can you tell me what the uh, aircraft that Mark Hamill's character was flying? Oh, I know Ooh. the answer to this one. Because uh, you looked it up, you dork. I know, it? but I know the answer. A Brooklyn I, Aerospace Optica OA-7 observation aircraft? Close. Uh, close. It's an EA-7 Optica. It's the Edgley EA-7 Optica. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Which I'd never seen one of these before this movie. I hadn't either. Yeah. In fact, I thought it was a gyrocopter at first because the antenna in, in the... And I watched this on the Roku channel, so it's like yeah, yeah. really low fidelity. I think um, that's the only place you could watch it. No, no, I, I bought it. Yes. I bought it on Amazon prime for get this. If I would have rented it, it would have been $2 and 99 cents. I bought it for $2 and 50 cents. <laughs> we we watched it. We watched it for free. Yeah. But you I watched a, it with ads. I don't oh, care. It, yeah. it was like, it was like 10 ads through the whole thing. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I did. Yeah, I, I, I looked shit up while I, while the ads were playing. I yeah. didn't even watch the ads. Yeah, that's I one of the not. things I looked up was this stupid uh, plane because I was like, <laughs> dude, that is a weird ass looking plane. Yeah, twenty two of them were built, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, so they were they were used for light observation vehicles by I guess the the British government or uh, British Air Force or whatever, supposedly to kind of. Uh, take the place of more expensive helicopters. But I thought this was a gyrocopter because in the low fidelity, the antenna on top of the, of the fan, um, it, it looked like a, a propeller. So the Amazon version that you buy for $2 and 50 cents is a restored version. Oh, so it's not grainy. It's 
it's not Blu-ray quality, but it is a lot better quality. And that's another reason why I want to watch it over there. I'm like, my eyes, I just, I don't want to deal with washed out crap. So I watched it over there and no, there is nothing lifting it up on, on top. Matter of fact, they play it off like it's a jet engine because of the right. sounds yeah. that yeah. you hear and everything. It is it, not. It's, no, I've watched a video of that and it's, it's, Sounds almost like a, uh, almost like a motorcycle. Yeah. It's a ducted fan. I mean, it's got a little yeah. four cylinder engine in there that turns yeah. a fan in that fan cowling and that's how it gets its, its propelling or propulsion. I mean, it's light enough that three guys were pushing it around on a grass, uh, field. Yeah. This is all light general aviation. This is ultralights is what this is. It, it's so what I think this movie was is somebody came up with this idea and it was somebody that when I'm not saying it was Kurtz, but somebody came up with this idea that was just cocaine addled and loved to fly and was like, how do I get this into a movie? Okay, <laughs> let's do this. And I, I got to say the script is original. It's an original script. If it was edited better and the story was more flushed out, I think in an era of Hollywood that we have today of not being able to come up with anything original, this would play really good if it was produced correctly. This was not produced correctly. No. And yeah, the you, you mentioned the special effects earlier, the compositing on the special effects like during the... Uh uh, the sunset scenes, those were just absolutely awful. The compositing where that ultralight did that high speed flyby around the the waterfall, that was just awful. And there's no way that that ultralight's going to go that fast. And there's no way that ultralight is going to be able to turn that tight going that fast. It would just rip that thing apart. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I had on there was... Um you know, you get dive bombed by a, basically a drone. I, I mean, it's like, really? You could probably like snatch it out of the air at the very beginning there. You know, he like jumps the Byron jumps off of the side of a cliff type deal to not get hit by a drone. Basically it's like, man, and this that's movie what it was looked like. Yeah, this movie was made too early. There's a Nova episode that came out in 2020, like right as the pandemic was hitting. And they did a lot of the filming before the pandemic came out. So it was somewhere in the summer of 2020. And it was, I I want to say the title was like the race for the electrical plane or something like that. And if you see the electrical planes that are in there, they're more like quadcopters basically, but they are leaps and bounds ahead of the technology that you see here and it would be more conducive to an environment that they're talking about because I got the sense because they talked about solar panels on the wings at one point in time. I got a sense that these were all electrical and they were saying power's low at one point in time. And the planes that are in that Nova episode are all electrical and they're they're phen- they go really fast, close to 200 knots. They take off and land vertically. They would be really key. It, think of it in terms of of air taxis, basically, it would be key to an environment like this that you're seeing right now, which, man, I got some defiance uh, flashbacks watching this because it kind of felt like that's what they were going for with this conversions thing. But anyway, the aircraft that are available about, today are much better. You're talking about defiance, like the sci-fi show? Yeah, this show that I podcasted on for three years. Right, yeah. right. 
Yep. Yeah. I got I got that sense from it. And okay. then also, by the way, I was thinking, where are they growing the food? Because you see them going down this canyon this whole time, right? And it's like the same canyon. Yeah, I get it. But they're going down this canyon the whole time. And you see these people that are living there and there's restaurants and, and people are eating and stuff. You're like, where are they growing the food? There's no farms anywhere. Where are they getting the food to eat? There's nothing. I mean, I, talk, I know in the restaurant they're talking about squirrel and rabbit, but where's the grain? Where's the cows? Where's everything well, else? Nope. And Hamill was eating like a roll or something. You know, so yeah, there's so some they sort obviously of grain. have grain. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was just a, a hanging thread that I was like, where's this food coming from? Because right. if this yeah. is an earth that has tumbled in on itself, there's no farms left. Yeah, the way they make it sound with, uh, by the way, um, I just want to say that I, I knew we were going to have issues when at the very beginning you had epic music, opening narration of Doom, and a guy running around in a suit. <laughs> I was like, dude, we are, we are in for a treat. And not that was straight out of North by Northwest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, they make, they make mention of that in there that like, you know the the uh, the economy collapsed and the ecosystem collapsed and global warming and climate change blah 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 you know it uh, basically it, it made it sound like it was uh, you know Mad Max wasteland type of situation you know but then you know you see vegetation you know on the on the cliffs and things like that it's like well it's not that bad yeah There's I still didn't vegetation. I didn't really understand the whole apocalyptic thing. I mean, what made it apocalyptic? Supposedly there's this, you know, jet stream that goes around the world. We already have that. Congrats. It's just meteorology. No, this one's super. This one's a super jet stream. I mean, it's what makes it super? I don't Because it I, has I, slip in it. And it seems like they're riding through this slipstream, although he's trying to go upwind of the slipstream. In his little ultralight, which does anybody know what the ultralight was? No, I don't. Mm-mm. Rob, you it didn't look familiar. that up. No, that one didn't intrigue me. That just looked like a normal ultralight. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. No, that was a CFM shadow. Congratulations. You must have been really bored during this movie. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see which one that was because I hadn't seen a, an ultralight quite, quite like that. And that looked like a. A manufactured ultralight, not like some backyard yeah, so, tent pole ultralight. So it looked like that ultralight could, I guess those 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 uh, cult people disassembled it. Right. And then they put it back together with- Didn't you see the Mandalorian? It's the same tape. thing. It's like those people are like Jawas, taking this stuff apart. <laughs> No, but they were taking it apart and they just left it. They weren't like scrapping it for parts. Like no, the they were. Do. They were against technology. That was their right, whole right. thing. So they so they broke it down and then they put it. They were able to put it back together. I guess they just left all the bolts sitting there to put it back together. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, and those yeah. things aren't put together very tightly. I don't even think there's any bolts in it. It's, it looked like it was wrapped with duct tape or electrical tape or something like that. Well, yeah, they were wrapping places. it with some kind of tape because <laughs> yeah. uh, Byron had a big old roll of tape that he was yeah, working this'll with. Hold, so, yeah. This will hold. I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I'm pretty sure the kite that Byron was lashed to was like a Wright Brothers kite that they were using right before 
they discovered powered flight. I think they were using it to test it. I'm pretty sure that's the type of kite that was being used, but I could be mistaken. It could have been a kite from Chinese era. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's considered technology, wouldn't it be? A kite? I would yeah. think so. It's a, it's a more primitive form of maybe, technology, but it's technology. So they're using technology. Uh, maybe it's modern tech. Maybe it's like manufactured tech and not like stuff that you can make yourself tech. Well, define manufacture. I mean, manufacture I, means just to build. Look, I'm not. I'm not part of the cult. I can't help you there. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe motorized tech. Maybe, maybe tech that came from the '80s. I mean, I'm sorry, the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, brought down the fall of man. Maybe. But I mean, I the fall of man they kind of glossed over, so I didn't really understand that. I wasn't really sure what authority Hamill's character yeah. had. I mean, he that said a he big was. Question I had. <laughs> in fact, the badge he flashed was off screen. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, didn't you even get to see the badge he flashed. You got to see the the back of it whenever they went to Paxton's, Paxton's character. Whenever the camera shot to him, but you never got to see the badge. It was just off screen. So I wonder if they even had a badge to use, or if it was just oh, just. Take it off you know, camera so, and we'll just assume that he has a badge. So they say that they're cops or they're the law, but then you look on Wikipedia and they're called bounty hunters. Well, I don't know that I would trust so, the Wikipedia write up either. So it would have yeah. been better getting more information about the law enforcement background. Like what authority were they actually uh, reporting to? Cause he was sending in reports, right? right. Bounty hunters don't send in reports. He was sending in reports and what authority was that sent to? Were they like the last two cops out there? And somebody in Cop Central was like receiving the reports and eh, it looks looks like things are still going okay. There's there's stuff going on out there. I think Mark Hamill's character in particular would have benefited from a more elaborate background into that because as it stands, it, they are like bounty hunters out there and Mark just goes nuts for no reason. And I couldn't tell if he was going nuts and killing people because it was justified and he was the law kind of like sheriffs did out in the old West, or if he was crazy, I right. couldn't tell. Well, it would have been good to know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to bring in a dude that murdered another dude apparently. Um, and yet he's going around shooting everybody. But he right. never shot first, if you notice. So when he confronted um, Matt's people at the waterfall, he didn't shoot first. He just said, I need to, you know, hand over your weapons or I need to see what's in your bags or whatever. And then they shot mm -hmm. at him. And so he and What's-Her-Face, uh, not Sarah, shot back and killed them all. And apparently they were carrying poppy seeds. I guess maybe they're growing opium somewhere. I don't know. Belitsky is the character's name, I guess, which is a whole different thing. The, the, I said the story was all over the place. You had romance all over the place. You had Belitsky possibly with Mark Hamill's character, Tasker, definitely flirting with Bill Paxton's Matt Owens throughout the whole thing. Sure. You had Robbie Coltrane with this girl that they just pick up along the way, Ariel. And then you have Bill Paxton sleeping with a, just a girl from the museum people. And at no point in time did you really see 
any relationship either sustain or develop. And I know at the end, Belitsky is with Matt Owens, but it's like, I almost don't believe it because there's just nothing there to bring those two together. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't any chemistry. They, they kind of flirted for a little bit and yeah, I mean, that was all, that was his main criteria was you had boobs. I mean, he was grabbing the boobs of the uh, waitress and he was grabbing the boobs of the docent's daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently if you got a pair of tits, what drew her to him? His mullet, his power mullet. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, I mean, you don't know. Grow a power mullet and then just watch yeah. the ladies flock to you. If that's all it took, I'd be all over you that. You can't grow a power mullet, Rob. Oh, I'll grab, I'll grow a power mullet. You got to have something on top. I have plenty on top. <laughs> plenty on top. Um, so that little needle that had the tracker or was it the poison or whatever? I guess it was no, poison. It was, yeah. I so, think it was both. Yeah. So it was like what, maybe half an inch of a needle right? Sure. on the end. Paxton had so many layers on. He had a coat, he had a vest, he had a shirt and it all looked like it was layered. How did that penetrate? It was really sharp, That's I guess. It was taking the poison so long to act. Oh, it's like the worst poison ever. It was they just a good. little pinprick. Yeah. How long did they, they have? Oh, you got another four days. Like, and that's after like two weeks on the run. Yeah. 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 That was the worst poison ever. Yeah. They, they really. So I, I'm trying to think how big Ben Kingsley, Robert Coltrane and F. Murray Abraham were during this time period. So this was 89. This is. After Gandhi. So Ben Kingsley was pretty was big. Pretty big. This was after Amadeus and, and all of that. So F. Murray Abraham would have been decently, uh, a, a decently and big name. I know Robbie Coltrane was in Kroll, and I think Kroll was before this. Well, that's not saying much, though. Nope, it isn't. <laughs> I was just saying I knew that. Yeah. Um, so oh, he Kingsley. was in... Uh, he was in Henry the the Fifth though with Kenneth okay. Branagh, um, and I'm not sure if Bill Paxton had done Aliens yet or not. He had, okay, yeah. yeah. In fact, that so was, was that was one of the reasons Kurtz put him in this movie was because he had two big name sci-fi actors with Mark Hamill and Bill Paxton, and so that was supposed was before, to be a big draw. It, I think it was before Twister, Apollo 13. Oh yeah, Big yeah. Love, Titanic. Yeah, those were all the 90s. Agents of Shield. And yeah, this was before Jurassic Park with uh, Bob Pike or Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, Pike, which Bob, he was just the lawyer yeah. that gets eaten in the, in the bathroom. No, no, no. He was the, he was the you Wrangler. Bob Peck? Oh, Bob Peck was the Australian Wrangler. Oh, I thought he was the lawyer. No, 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 no. He was, uh, this, this was actually kind of what launched his, uh, acting. I mean, he had been in stuff before, but. After this, he got much bigger roles. And I think Bob Peck did a, a pretty good job in this as the android. I think his acting was probably the best in the movie. Just the movie around him sucked so bad. And they even made the joke of, uh, but you do or count or dream of electric sheep. I think Matt Owens says that of, of him at one point in time. Well, really, that was also a, a Philip K. Dick reference, too. Yeah, this is kind of a buddy movie between Bill and 
Bob, Byron and Matt of them becoming best buds basically. Right. Yeah. But it In seemed like end, it flipped the script quickly. Oh, it could, every time they landed, it was a different a different story, different script. That's why I say the editing was just horrible in this because I think the script might've been sound enough that they could have recorded enough when they were filming to actually edit it to a point where it would make sense, but it didn't. And that whole museum thing was just completely different than everything else. Supposedly the, the actual movie that, that Kurtz wanted to do or, um, he actually wanted to do was was much more violent and uh they just didn't they didn't edit it they edited out all of that violence there's there's supposedly more the on the the cutting room floor that actually kind of makes the plot more plausible or make more sense but it just right. and that's what that's what i was saying is he wanted to film them but they didn't have the money to go out and film those graphic scenes yeah, they were never the the graphic violent scenes were never filmed. Oh, they were never filmed. Never filmed. No. Hmm. Yeah, they didn't have enough money. Well, that sucks because, as it is, the movie sucks balls. I think they used a lot of B roll that wouldn't normally have been used in a film like this. Like at the very beginning, when they go to I think it's Hell's Kitchen is where he grew up, right? right. They, they go there and there's a scene where he's talking to some woman outside and she's much more uh, robotic in her movements. She's too fast to really be seen on screen and that sort of stuff. And they kept that in. And if it was edited well, if they had enough footage, they would have taken that out. And I also think, you know, correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, but then they go into that like hot tub bath place. I think what Kurtz wanted to do is have a bunch of naked people there, but they didn't do it for whatever reason, didn't have the budget. People didn't sign on for whatever. And you got this weird scene with people just in this big, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. It's yeah. This whole movie was weird and yeah, they used a ton of B roll. I mean, how many times did they shoot various different aircraft flying over, you know, cliffs of Ireland or, or around that damned waterfall or do more passes over that, that place in Turkey. It was just, it was nuts. The amount of like second, uh, second director shots that they had on this. It was. And the cinematography was not that good. It, it, it would just, what you take a look at these planes flying. I would have taken all that out. Because it looks so cheesy on the big screen. But if you take that out, this is barely an hour. Right. Exactly. They should have filmed more and they didn't. And that's what Kurt's saying. They should have filmed more graphic violent scenes. And I disagree. I think they should have shot more story, alternate scenes, different takes. I think that would have been good. And these actors are good actors. They would have been able to say, no, look, this is where my character is going. I think Bill Paxton did his best. Um, Kurt Russell in big, uh, uh, big trouble, little China. I think he was trying to do his best imitation of that. And it just didn't work for him so much because it just wasn't consistent. Well, that and the dialogue was just, it was just rough. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just it didn't make sense. None of the none of the conversations that they had made any sense whatsoever. Paxton's character was a caricature of action heroes of the time. It was it was just over the top. He didn't say anything that was deep. It was all cliches. 
Um, it was all just posing as a, as a tough guy. Everything out of his mouth was to establish dominance over whoever he was talking to. And it was, it was dumb. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we did have we did have one um, we had one love scene in here. Well, I, I guess two. You know, we had we had Paxton uh, seducing the lady. Uh, uh, well, or her seducing him. I don't <laughs> he know didn't which seduce way it anybody anyway, in here. You know, you had that. You had that love scene, um, and then we had some weird ass jungle love. That was. I, I, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to play Tarzan and uh, Byron obliged. I mean, I don't think that was Tarzan. I think that was more like Lion King. You know, they were like Simba and uh, Can you feel the love tonight? Yeah. Byron felt the love that night. Yeah. I, it just. And he mm. seemed so upset after she died. But at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, see you later, guys. I'm going to live here at the waterfall. Adios. No, I think he was moving on past the waterfall. Okay. Yeah, he, he was going to Why did to they fly all the way of. back to the waterfall to drop him off then? It was just around the corner. <laughs> it must have been because they visited that waterfall a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And got their plane fixed uh, quite well, considering it buried itself in the um, right. ground. <laughs> to the point where they were digging themselves out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and, I have argued. And meanwhile, Byron's just before. standing there going, huh? Oh, you guys got out. Hi. You've augured in before. Is that what that's called? Yeah. So, yeah. so first of all, uh, Byron was strapped to the top and that's why he got thrown loose because he literally right. was strapped on the, t- there was nothing preventing him from flying forward, which he did. And yes, I have augured in before. And when you auger in, you don't bury the plane like that, especially going the speeds that they're going. I'm just guessing that they're going somewhere between, I don't know, 30 and 50 miles an hour with a plane like that. You don't bury yourself in there. And it's an ultra light though. You should be able to, should be able to glide in pretty easily. Yeah. You should be able to flare or something like that to lose a little bit of speed to, and then to glide on in. I mean, Uh, I'm trying to find the stall speed. Stall speed on that is 40 miles per hour. Okay, so maybe 70 miles an hour. Maybe. Yeah, well, you pull up right before you hit the ground. Let's flare it a little bit. Yeah, the cruise speed on that ultralight is 70. The stall speed is 40. Okay. So what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, you know. With the slipstream, though, that you could probably double that uh, cruise speed. You okay, know, you asked before about pushing. the slipstream and why it's so important. So it wasn't just a wind, a bucket of wind. They said it was hot, right? So hot air produces these updrafts, which you can stay aloft a lot more, which I believe they, I forget which plane, but they talked about, I guess we're just going to have to slipstream it for a while. That's what they were talking about is that you can hang on, you can glide, you can hang on to those updrafts forever and ever and ever as long as you catch them correctly and gain altitude before you go forward and you lose altitude, then you hit another one and then you you rise up and that sort of thing. So it is possible to ride the slipstream, but unfortunately at night, it just turns into this windy, stormy, you wouldn't want to be out there flying those ultralights and that. You'd just crash. (laughs) Apparently they got very good at crashing but that's what you would do right well not only crashing but then turn around and fixing it up they're simple planes you can do that as long as the engine works 
right? And the, and the controls stay in one piece and you're not grabbing them with your hands and trying to work the controls. <laughs> right. Was, that, right. was that fly-by-wire? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, those were actual control cables and he was yanking on them like they were fucking yeah. reins. Yeah, fly-by-wire. They're pulling each wire, get them going. That's not what that means, but... Yeah, I know. All right. You know what it was? It was Red 5 going in. <laughs> all right final thoughts don't don't be sp and buy this don't yeah. be me and jason I, and watch it on roku just I bought this don't. so you don't have to <laughs> yeah just i mean don't even don't even bet a bet on it if if this comes up yeah. as as like a dare don't do it uh, if yeah, somebody my, wants to bet you, hey, if you lose, you're going to have to watch Slipstream, just don't do it. It's not no, worth it's it. Not wor- yeah, yeah. I, and as I put in one of my thoughts here, I said 12 minutes in, I'm bored, confused, and want my Sunday back. Yeah. So if I were to rank yeah. this between, uh, let's say, Moonfall and Space Truckers, I would put wait, which, this- which one's which one's better? I mean, that's, that's important to- Wait, wait. Why do you even have to ask that question? Because, I mean, it could go either way. No, it couldn't. No, no, it could. No, one of those two movies is easily worse than the other. Which one is it? The fact that you have to ask that question makes me question your sanity. The fact that you won't answer that question. Moonfall. Moonfall is by far the worst fucking movie ever made. No, I think think you have a soft, soft spot in your heart for Moonfall. I haven't seen it, so I can't. You should watch it. It's pretty good. Moonfall is the worst. So (laughs) if I had to rank this between Moonfall and Space Truckers, I'd put it somewhere around a Masters of the Universe. (laughs) Okay. Just way out there, huh? The redeeming factor of Masters of the Universe are two actors in it, right? Courtney Cox, right? She was in it. Yep. And then uh, Tom Paris from Voyager was in it too, right? He was? I'm pretty sure he was. No way. I totally missed that if he was. Yeah, I, he talks about uh, on his podcast over uh, the, the Delta Flyers or whatever. He talks about his time from time to time with Courtney Cox. Who did he play? I don't. I got to find played, this little. Robert Duncan McNeil played Kevin Corrigan. Who is Kevin Corrigan? Do you remember that, Mm-mm. Rob? No, because we Did reviewed guys- that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dolph Lundgren is in it too. Oh yeah, so Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, he's, I mean Dolph Lundgren and Courtney Cox he, were the draw of that fucking movie. Yeah. But- it's like this movie. You had Mark Hamill and Bill Paxton and Ben Kingsley. Yeah, they're the draw. It's a great movie, right? Yeah, I mean there was there were a ton of of great names in this movie, and they were just totally, totally. I dogged on the waste. editing pretty hard and I just want to bring up, I looked it up. Terry Rawlings was the film editor and I don't know what he had to work with. Right. But he had some really good movies underneath his belt as editor, alien, the awakening chariots of fire, blade runner legend. I mean, just a ton of stuff. And then you get slipstream in there. It's like, uh. of course in his oh. later years, he didn't do so well, but Can- Kevin was the uh, musician who mistaked the key for the for a synthesizer. 
Oh, no shit. Yeah, he was that. And he was uh, Julie Winston's uh, uh, boyfriend. So Julie Winston. He played the boyfriend? uh, Of Courtney Cox. Yeah. 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 yeah, I totally didn't even recognize him. I, I mean, I didn't it. watch a lot of Voyager to begin with. I mean, I, I know what he looks like. I remember what he looks like. I just don't remember him being in the movie. Well, the thing about Robert Duncan McNeil is that he has transitioned out of acting right now and into the producing, directing genre, you know, career, whatever. Odds are you've watched something that he's either produced or directed. Yeah. Chuck. Uh, yeah, did you watch have- Chuck? No, I didn't watch Chuck. Yeah, okay. I watched Chuck. You didn't watch Chuck? No, I didn't watch Turn Chuck. In. What's wrong with you? I got better things to do than watch network TV. Oh, name one. Um, <laughs> wash my hair. Name two. Stub my toe. Uh, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet you can't mean name three. Um, do a podcast with you. Oh, that's, are you sure that that's better things to do? I'm than questioning it at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling the love. I'm yeah. Feeling yeah. The love. Rob, you got a haiku for us this week. Holy crap. You remembered. Shut up. Yeah. Yes, I do. This one is titled slip up. Mark is not enough. Bill Paxton wasn't enough. This movie sucked balls. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right, SP, All right. you always come with goodies. What do you got this week? I do. And oh, uh, I, I have wow. I'm I have in my hands my United States Air Force Academy contrails, which we had to memorize when we were freshmen at the United States Air Force Academy. And yes, for those that don't know, I attended the United States and graduated from the United States Air Force Academy. On page 178 of my contrails version is High Flight by John Gillespie McGee Jr. Ah. And this is the poem for those that haven't heard it yet. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and danced the skies on laughtered silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sunsplit clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of, wheeled and soared and swung, high in the sunlit silence. Hovering there, I've chased the shouting winds along and flung my eager craft through the footless halls of air. Up, up the long, delirious, burning blue, I've topped the windswept heights with easy grace, where never lark or even eagle flew. And while with silent, lifting mine, I've trod the high, untrespassed sanctity of space, put out my hand, and touched the face of God." See, this is why we have you on the show. You class up the joint. I try from time to time. There's also a couple other things in there that you probably don't want to hear. Oh, no, no. It would be probably perfect for this show, but. (laughs) We'll save it for another date. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Who's got awards? Yep. All right, SP. Who's got your black lung? This is, you know. I mean, if Byron had a lung, I would go with him because he was looking awful black at the end. He was, yeah. Although he's, he seems to be impervious, so yeah. Yeah. So if if that's your qualification, then I'll go with Mark Hamill because he was definitely breathing in some black smoke. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rob? Yeah, I gave it to Trasker for meeting the cliff. 
Um, I'm going to give it to Trasker, too. I didn't see anybody actually smoking in this film, which is odd for a 1989 film. So... So you gave it to Trasker, I gave it to Trasker. Oh and God I damn it! To Mark it to Hamill, I gave that's it to a, Mark Hamill. That's a three-way. <laughs> well, Mark Some, Hamill. The French call that a menage a trois. God damn it! Hey, two in and, one week, Jason. But mine was for no, a different reason. Mine was for the smoke-filled cabin before he hit the the cliff. It still goes to the same person. I hate you. And the reason why there was no smoking was because there were no tobacco farms left. Duh. Oh, somebody would have grown some tobacco. I mean, they had grain. They had poppy seed. Yeah, they had had, poppy seed. They had poppy seed. They had grain. Somebody would have found some tobacco to grow. Eh, You can believe that. (laughs) All right, Rob, who's got your head lash? Matt. Okay. All the time. It's just he, all, you think he was he, drinking all the time. He was almost every scene. You, uh, let's see the diner. He grabbed a grabbed a beer off of a dude's uh, table. Down that um, went through the uh, museum, found an open bottle of something or other sitting right. in the museum, and was just like, "Eh, why not?" Stole champagne off of a off of a table from Fancy Pants, and uh, you know, down that. Took some into the bedroom, had it poured on him. He didn't like that because he wanted to drink it. Putting perfectly good hooch to waste. All right, SP. Matt. I'm going to go with Robbie Coltrane's character, Montclair, because, well, they were in, you know, the hooch tub, I guess. (laughs) You think that it was filled with hooch? Well, when they're done bathing, oh, I mean, wow. turn it into hooch. And they were carrying all that poppy seed. So I'm going to go with Montclair. Bathtub okay. hooch. Uh, so mine's going to go to Matt, too, uh, for wandering around the museum and finding an open bottle of something. And he just, he drinks it, not even knowing what it is, and then looks at it and is like, oh, yeah, that's alcohol, and just continues to drink it. Yeah, Didn't he so. sniff it first, though? Yeah, to see if it smelled good. He's got he's got discerning tastes. <laughs> um, SP, who's got your player? I am going to go with Ariel because she was snowing everybody. She was snowing her own people. She was snowing the group that she hooked up with. She was snowing Byron. She was snowing everybody. I'll I'll go with Ariel. This chick that they just picked up out of the middle of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. Rob. Oh, I gave it to Matt uh, for basically trying to hit on every lady he met. Okay. Uh, Sometimes succeeding. Mine's going to go to Ariel, too, because uh, she meets Byron. I I guess she met him earlier when they first got there, and he was tending to everybody. And then she sees him again after the the windstorm and says, hey, why don't you just come to my place? And he's like, okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, she, so she I basically, think, what? So I was going to say, so it looks like, it looks like he can't deny any request from any human. You don't think? Byron. Ooh. I mean, cause, because I mean, somebody says, Hey, come with me. And he walks with them, you know, or Hey, go this way. Okay. You know, that would make sense because he killed his master because his master asked him to. Right. Yeah. Even though he didn't want to. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just put that together when you said, hey, come with me. Okay. That's came to my head. Look at that. Sometimes I have deep thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes. Now you're going to be sleeping for a couple of days, so. <laughs> yeah. It, it hurt. Yeah. I'm tired. I did. Will you hurry up and get to the last one? Well, you sleeping. won't shut up. Okay. All right. Rob, who's got your purple hippo? Uh, you know, I'm just going to give it to, you know, I'm going to give it to Byron. Um, just, uh, because why not? (laughs) Okay. I'm giving it to Byron because, uh, apparently when, uh, uh, when he found out that he was free, um, he was so excited. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, he had his first dream. Um, so he was, he was in that whole euphoria of being able to dream for the first time type of deal, found out he was free, so excited he couldn't contain himself that he blows his load, his load with a grinder. <laughs> All right. SP? I'm going to go with Mark Hamill because he thought he was Michael Bean. Yeah, he, he did play a, I mean... Every once in a while, I'd look up at the screen. And I was like, "Man, my, this this role was just made for Michael Bean." Should have been Michael. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it would have changed anything because both no, Michael no. and Mark yeah. would have played it the same. Yep. But yeah, apparently, from what I read, Mark Hamill based his entire performance on a chance encounter he had with a cop giving him a speeding ticket. Yeah, yeah, that's what I read too. He played it. He played it like the CHP officer that that pulled him over. That's funny. Uh, so mine is going to go to I think Byron as well for uh, basically ascend or becoming what he he wanted. I think he I think he was striving to be more human. Uh, he finally was able to fall asleep and dream, uh, which is uh, again a reference back to Philip K. Dick and do androids dream of electric sheep. Um, no, what they don't, they dream of, um, wherever there's a place with other androids at the end of the slipstream. Maybe yeah. those are electric sheep. For, Maybe those other androids were sheep. Can't wait for the sequel on this one. Really? Oh yeah. So you got Belitsky, right? With Matt Owens making balloons and, you know, doing the big thing. And then you've got Byron out there meeting all his other Android friends. What it is probably, I was thinking about this. It's probably some Android factory out there that still survived that nobody went to or whatever after the convergence. So there's a bunch of, of these rudimentary Androids out there. And so he's going to go there and that's home for him. And then they're, you know, going to terminate it up. Do you say so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah not, so there uh, is, <laughs> There is another slipstream that happened in uh, 2007. Um, uh, I don't think that's related. It's got Anthony Hopkins, Christian Slater, another big name one. Um, But apparently apparently there is uh, some bad connotations with any movie called Slipstream uh, because it... um, it's got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, Oof. that's lower than this. Oh, yeah. This is like 43%, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, moral of the story is um, don't name your movie Slipstream. No kidding. Name it Slipstream 2. Electric Boogaloo. All right. Well, that would actually work. All right. We've Electric got to uh, pick another title. So SP, you're the guest. Oh, no, I'm what? going to- uh, Don't. Don't do it. The last time he picked something, 
No, I guess he put it on the list, didn't he? See, I never know when I'm being set up here. I never know when he's actually already got a title in mind. <laughs> no, and he's no, he's say, not set up. SP, you need to come back next week because we need to watch this crap. Well, okay. So as far as I know, uh, it, this is not a setup. It's not a setup. It's all because legit. According to our calendar, uh, there is no there is no title associated with that. I feel like this is not a legit podcast because Rob didn't eat a fudge round at the beginning. I mentioned that during the intro. It's like, I forgot my fudge round. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. awesome. I have, you know what? Next time I've got some nutty buddies. No, no, you just need to forget all about that. See, I brought in a Cliff Builders protein bar, chocolate mint. That's what I was going to double up with your fudge round. I was going to say, since I you're going to geek now. We have to purport <laughs> healthy environments. Okay. So, yeah, protein bar. Okay, uh, perfect. From now on, I have to do healthy eating habit. You know, oh, I'm not sure what perfect. I did to both of y'all Can, to, to treat oh, me this way, but you know uh, I'm, I'm I don't really carrots. appreciate it. I'll have carrots next time. That's good and crunchy. <laughs> oh my God, I hate you so much. All right, SP, you need to pick a number between 1 and 155. Let's go with 74. 74. Rob, tell me when to stop. Really? You want Rob to tell you when to stop? Yeah, he's going to stretch this out that, like he always that, does. And i got to yeah. edit out all this fucking blank space. Uh, yep. Go ahead. Go ahead and stop. All right. I really didn't want to say stuff because I didn't want to be blamed for the next one that comes up. <laughs> I mean, I read 74, right? Yep. Uh, All right. Oh, God damn it. Oh, no. Lower decks. Lower decks. Lower decks. No. That's it, not even on the series. list. So. We, don't, we don't do series right now, he said. So I think our next series will be Picard. Oh, shit. All right, so next week, or next episode... Wait, hold on, hold on. Who are you blaming? Uh, this is Red. Red put oh. this on the list. So, so we can't Red. really... Yeah, we can't really be mad, can we? No, I mean, we can. I, I, I admonished him whenever he put it on the list. I was like, why are you putting this on the list? But he... Uh, All right, let's yeah. do it. All right, so next episode, we will be reviewing the movie where a fleet of ships is forced to do battle with an armada of unknown origins in order to <laughs> discover and thwart their destructive goals. This stars uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Brooklyn Decker, uh, and Liam Neeson. Battlefield, or Battleship. No. Yeah, battleship. 2012's Battleship. With Rihanna. Oh gosh. With Rihanna. Nice. Oh, I'm nice. so sorry. Yeah, me too. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear the classic line, you sunk my battleship. Uh, are you seriously really say that in the movie? They yes, do. they do. Oh, my they God. You, yeah, yeah. I've seen this like two or three times. Two or three times? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I'm Were a you? glutton for punishment. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I think, I think it's probably time is enough. I think it's probably twice is that I've seen it. Yeah, twice. Oh one, I watched it one time because it was literally the only thing on at the hotel. Were you stuck in an airplane with absolutely nothing else to watch and some guy snoring next to you? Yeah, something like that. Oh, uh, my God. All right. Yeah. 
Oh, you're going to love it. That's all we've got for this episode. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix My Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave us feedback on our Discord channel at smokinganddrinking at space.com forward slash Discord. On Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. If you'd like to throw a few nickels our way, you can become a Patreon supporter by going to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Patreon. And make sure to visit Gunna Geek for more great shows and other great works at gunnageek.com. SP, where can we find you? At legendsofshield.com, part of the gunnageek.com website. All right. For this week, I'm Jason. You can find me at gunnageek.com for smoking and drinking in capes. You don't need oh, to plug you, the other show, you, you dork. You, you didn't ask me. Why not? Why, yeah, not? why not? You never know. Yeah, it's on the maybe, network. It's a different show. Maybe they don't know that we have two shows, Jason. Nobody doesn't know that. I'm still confused on the whole thing because I thought it was one show with an X. Sadix. No, that's that's the name. That's the brand. <laughs> Jeez. We'll see you next episode. The parent, the parent company.